Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms of preteens, teens, and young adults. My mission is to first and foremost support and encourage you, mom, so that you can live well and reclaim your life. Two, this show will help you have the best possible relationships with your teens so that you can communicate, motivate, and guide them effectively and actually enjoy them. And third, I will bring you top-notch guests who will share the newest in adolescent research and trends so you can be prepared and aware of what your teens are facing today. Always you will leave each episode armed with practical parenting tips. Welcome back, everyone, to the 244th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. This podcast is published the week before Thanksgiving, and so we pause to consider what we are thankful for. In the book, Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted, author Christy Nelson provides a groundbreaking exploration of what it means to live gratefully and bring awareness into every moment of every day. When 33-year-old Christy Nelson was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, her entire perspective changed. In Wake Up Grateful, Nelson describes how this wake-up call about the brevity of life helped her reframe her existence as a gift full of welcome surprises and love, teaching readers how to similarly transform their mindset and daily practice of living. Christie's guidance drawing on five core principles teaches us how to cherish our connection to ourselves, others, and the world to practice and embody a grateful life. She gives us five practices that will help our teens cultivate gratefulness. Christie talks about the difference between gratitude and gratefulness and why this distinction is so important. Christie Nelson is the executive director of a network for grateful living. She has spent more than 30 years in nonprofit leadership, development, and consulting, working at the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, and the Soul of Money Institute. Nelson is a stage four cancer survivor and lives with her family in Western Massachusetts. Welcome, Christy Nelson. Great to be here. Thank you very much, Colleen. I'm so glad you're here and you're going to have such a great message right before Thanksgiving. So this is going to be wonderful. So the first question I ask my guests is if you are a mom and if so, what are the ages of your kids? So I am a mom. I married into a family with kids. And so the kids, we gave them the chance to name me. So they were five and eight. And after it looked like things were going to get pretty settled in our relationship, they got asked what my title should be. And I was kind of hoping it wouldn't be stepmom. That was just my (laughs) own personal preference. I had a stepmom growing up and I love her. And it's, you know, it's complicated. It's got lots of associations. So what the kids said was, we think you should be our assistant mom. And I I just love that title. I thought it was the greatest thing. I thought the kids were brilliant. And it just kind of put me in right relationship with the whole thing. And uh, made me feel like a bonus prize, you know, (laughs) and I was very engaged and lived with the kids and they are now 28 and 25. So they survived 20 years with me as their assistant (laughs) mom. That's pretty good. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's way better than stepmom. What a great thing also too, the wisdom of their parents to give them the chance 
to create a title that would work for them and put the whole thing in right relationship. And it did. It's just been so wonderful. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a daughter that's 28. Well, actually, oh. 28. She's 27. <laughs> you keep making her older than she is. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, our, my oldest, our oldest is almost 29. So we're, yeah, he's not quite 30. Let's just be clear. He's got some growing up to do. <laughs> All right. So you wrote a book called Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. Can you tell me a little bit about the background of why you wrote the book? When I was 32, which is hard to imagine, right? 32, I got really super sick and was undiagnosed for nine months. And by the time they diagnosed me, I was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma that had metastasized to my spine. So I was disabled And it Mm. was a pretty hellish journey, to be honest. There's a lot of amazing and beautiful things that came of it, but it was really hard. And then I had nine months of treatment to go through after having had already 11 surgeries. This was 32 and 33. So for two full years, pretty much, it was Mm. my life. And that's the basis for my relationship with this idea of gratefulness as taking nothing for granted, to really live our lives gratefully. And so I found somebody who I love, 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 who's a Benedictine monk. His name is Brother David Steindl Rast. And he had written a book called Gratefulness, the Heart of Prayer. He's a monk. I'm not a religious person, but he had the whole belief about gratefulness and grateful living. And he was on Oprah Super Soul Sunday and I was with him and she asked him, how do you practice grateful living? And he said, you stop, you look and you go. And I was like, okay, I'm going to need to write a book to help people understand (laughs) how to actually make this actionable. So as the director of the organization, I called the Network for Grateful Living. I wrote the book while I was there. And um, now it's just come out in paperback after three years. It was published during COVID. And I, this on Sunday, celebrated 30 years of being in remission, cancer-free. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's a big deal. It is. And I celebrate it every day that I'm still alive. Mm. So so that's the background on the book. So how do you articulate the difference between gratitude and gratefulness? And why is that distinction important? Mm, It is important, I think. I think especially for teenagers and for kids. I think we have very common conflicted in some ways relationships to gratitude, especially when we're young, because I think there's a lot of like, say your thank yous and write your thank you notes. And there's a lot about gratitude, which is like, you got what you wanted, you know, you need to make sure you're grateful. And so it's tied very much to things and experiences that are pleasurable, that are what we want. You know, when we get what we want, we tend to be grateful. And as adults, it's all true too. This is our commonplace understanding of gratitude. And it seemed to me that It just didn't fit my experience of what I came out of cancer with, Mm. which was Mm. way bigger than that. It was how I now understand gratefulness, which is really much more of an orientation to life that is unconditional, much more unconditional. It's not tied to very specific circumstances and very specific things going right. It's about life itself being my cause for being grateful. So it's kind of mind-blowing. I love it that you're having this reaction to it because when you can get your head around it, it's like, oh, wow, gratitude is so good for us and it's so good for our health and our mental health. The more gratitude we can feel, the better. But the way that we've come to understand it 
it would mean that we'd have to only ever have green lights in life and only ever have the parking spaces that, you know, mm. open up and only ever have everything just perfect and get exactly what we want mm -hmm. all the time. And that's just not going to happen. And it's not good for the development of human beings, you know, for mm -hmm. that to happen either. Yeah. So what I think gratefulness actually steps in and says, let's look at hitching our gratitude to things that are much more ever present to things that we cannot take for granted. What do we have that's already enough? Do we really need more in order to be grateful? Or is there really a way to celebrate what we already have? And I think one of the big problems with gratitude is that how we're taught it is it's really built in as you need more, more, more in order to be grateful. And mm. I can be grateful when this happens or I get this. Mm. And instead, how can we wake up grateful? before anything has even happened, I like to call it sometimes a lot of things, but gratitude in advance before mm. something's happened. Yeah. Really different. That is all so, so good. So good. And I definitely feel that when, you know, I've had friends who are my age pass and you have all those kind of complicated feelings about why them and not me. And, but I'm glad it's not me and all of that. But then it's just like, you know, I may not like the number I am in terms of my age, but I have life. Totally. So that's what you're talking about, right? Yes. And it may actually be my next book may be called Grateful for Aging or Grateful mm. Aging. Because I think it's so sad that we've come to think that the older we get, we have less to be grateful for in a way. And this mm -hmm. idealization of youth and everything. And I think Wow, you know, every day for me is a milestone. Can we celebrate yeah. every year? And it's always, you know, consider the alternative. <laughs> it's really sad. I have a lot of friends who have died of cancer at this age in my life. And yeah. It's tragic. So I feel like the best way to honor life and honor the loss of the people I've loved and the fact that so many people are suffering around the world right now, mm -hmm. the best way I can honor that is to honor my life and to be grateful for the life and the opportunities I have. Yeah. As opposed to squelching my joy and just suffering on behalf of all of that. It's also like, what would the people do if they got this day? If all the people who are not here, who thought they would be here today, could live this day, how would they live this day? Like that just brings tears to my eyes. And mm. I feel like it's an opportunity for us to think about what do we kind of owe life and owe their lives to live this day like it matters. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know what I'm guilty of, and I know that a lot of the moms listening, we kind of fall into this pattern. Like there's a lot to do in, in the holidays. And so we kind of wake up thinking, oh my God, how am I going to get everything done? Yes, of course. Which is a very different way. If that's kind of our automatic way we wake up, then that informs the rest of our day. But if we wake up and go, you know, there's going to be a little family drama, but I am here. I'm here. So that's what I love is like, can we start to inventory all of what's working? Because mm -hmm. we really do a good job inventory what breaks. We yes. do a good job inventorying what breaks. So what isn't working and what disappoints us and what doesn't go as planned. And yet we just really skirt right over and walk right by all the things that are miraculous. Mm -hmm. What's up with that? So to me, that's a muscle that we can build. I call it spiritual musculature. Again, I'm not religious, but I think there's a spiritual part of this, which is 
how do we ensure our own well-being? How do we ensure the well-being of the people around us? Yes. I think is self-care. And this is a very profound form of self-care is to actually rewire the messaging we give ourselves about Mm. our lives. You have so many quotable quotes. That's really good. (laughs) Can you say that again? That was very good. Gosh, I don't even know. You might have to listen to it on the recording. But I think that rewiring ourselves towards what works instead of what's broken, Mm -hmm. what is present instead of what's disappointing is a profound form of self-care. And that it sends such positive signals to our brains, to our bodies. It changes the whole way we experience everything. And, you know, I worked for a period of time with a woman named Lynn Twist, who is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So she wrote Soul of Money. Yeah. So I was her director of her her organization for a period of time. She's a very close friend of mine. And what Lynn says is basically we operate from scarcity. And this whole theory about gratefulness is very much based on sufficiency versus scarcity. What she says is we tend to wake up in the morning and we think, I haven't gotten enough sleep. You know, I haven't got enough time. I haven't got enough Guilty this morning. Right? Well, (laughs) most days. But it's kind of like we go right to what's not enough all the time. So chronically, and we're so conditioned to do that. And it starts to become, and what I say in the book is it starts to become, complaint becomes a commiseration. It's a source of connection for all of us too. Like Mm. it's really wild to bust out of that a little bit and say, what if people ask, how are you? And you say, you know what? I'm really grateful. I'm so grateful to be. It's like, what? What? You know, it's like, <laughs> it just changes the conversation. And when we change the conversation, we change our lives. That's kind of also part of what I believe. So the moms are listening. So, I mean, I, this is great for me and I'm sure for all the moms listening too. But I think the frustration, I think, you know, as we get to Thanksgiving and we're like, we want our teens to have gratefulness or gratitude. Yeah. And teens definitely usually aren't, especially because they want to be with their friends on Thanksgiving and not with, you know, Aunt Mary. Right. So what are your five core principles in your book? Mm -hmm. And maybe you could give us a practice with each one of them. Sure. Let's give that a whirl. Because it's really important that this stuff is grounded in something. That's why it was important for me to write the book is that it's actionable and actually therefore replicable. We can repeat it. We can build this into things in our lives. So the first core principle is life is a gift. When we greet each moment gratefully, we are always receiving. Mm. So the idea is that gratitude waits for something good to happen and gratefulness just waits for us to be awake to the fact that life is a gift. (laughs) That's all it waits for. As soon as we get it that life is a gift, we can be grateful. And the truth is, if we can ground our gratefulness, ground our gratitude in the things that are unconditional, Like, look at how much we have to treasure, appreciate joy in our lives, our bodies. No matter what's wrong with them, there is so much right with our bodies at all times. We can say, I am so lucky, especially after COVID, that I can breathe unassisted. Like, I can take a deep breath. And that breath is connecting my body systems all to each other. And everything's functioning. Like, if you want to be mind blown and feel like you're in a miracle, just focus on your body. Because what your body is doing in every single moment to keep you alive is stunning. Like it's beyond Mm. even comprehension. So I kind of try to say, you know, I deal with illness. I deal with all kinds of side effects from my surgeries. I deal with all kinds of stuff. COVID, all those things. But I still think this body is a miracle. It is 
stunning and extraordinary. The natural world is a miracle. This is all available to us at all times, right? We don't have to do anything, wait for anything. It's just there. Life is a gift. So one of the practices I like is wake up grateful around this is when you greet each moment gratefully. It doesn't mean that you're going to greet everything gratefully. That's important. Not everything is worthy of gratitude. Really important distinction. But, and we can be grateful in every moment. We can be grateful in every moment in the midst of really hard things. And that gives us the wherewithal to go through hard things with greater resilience. Mm. Absolutely, unequivocally true. So one of the things that I like to say to people is instead of getting to the end of your day and doing a journal of what went right and what you're grateful for because you got what you wanted, is start the day with what you're grateful for before anything's happened. So you actually inventory in the first thing in the morning, what is available to me that is a blessing right now? What is here? What can I be grateful for? Oh, I'm waking up in a bed. You know, not, I hate to say it, but not everybody does. I'm waking up in a bed. I'm waking up with air that is comfortable. I'm waking up. I can breathe. I can move my hands. I can move my arms. I can get out of bed. I have love in my life. No matter how much I'm hurting, there's love in my life. I have a window. I can pass out a window. So it's just, just to get up in the morning. And before I do anything, just set the stage in my experience for gratefulness that's not tied Mm. to things happening that are good and then you can go from there and there's just miracle after miracle you know like oh you have running water oh brush your teeth like oh I can walk across the room I mean it is ludicrous until you've lost water until you've lost electricity it seems crazy to celebrate it until you've lost the use of your hands like broken a hand like I have or have I have now a room I have terrible arthritis in my hands until you've lost the functioning of something It seems silly to celebrate something that's so common Mm. and so ordinary, Mm. but it's worth it. So I would say a little practice is just start your day, like how you spend the first five minutes of your morning can Mm. really set the tone for your whole day. Yeah, right. So that would be one thing. The second one is everything is surprise. When you open to wonder, opportunities abound. Mm. Okay. So when you open to wonder, opportunities abound means basically like, oh, okay. Here is something that didn't go according to my plan. Hmm, isn't that interesting? (laughs) Um, And to be curious and to be willing to, in certain situations in that moment, like say something else is going to evolve here. Like for me, it's really a practice to say, oftentimes something better evolves out of things that don't work in my life. Like something doesn't go according to plan. And I've had so many times Yeah, it's horribly disappointing, but sometimes it allows for something new and different to come in. Can I suspend judgment in that moment? Can I be available to life in that moment so that something beautiful, if it arrives or new or different than expected, I actually notice it. Mm -hmm. I'm actually available for that as opposed to, (laughs) which is what's so easy to get into. I don't want anybody for that, right? But the truth is life is mysterious. Everything is surprising. And what I say to people is, if you can embrace that sense of wonder, can you be curious about what else might be here? What else might be available now? That there are opportunities that are arriving in every single moment of our lives. Mm -hmm. And to be curious about those. What might be lurking behind this disappointment? Mm -hmm. Why might this thing not have happened that I wanted to happen? Wow, maybe I've got some space and time in my day now that I really needed, even though I'm disappointed. What might be the gift or the blessing in that? 
mm-hmm. worth inquiring, worth being curious about. And for kids, if we can get kids to start seeing that, like where disappointments might actually, yeah, can, yeah, you, very hang, helpful. can you hang in there a little bit and see what might evolve out of that? The third principle is the ordinary is extraordinary. Love it. When you take nothing for granted, life is abundant. Mm. That's just the truth. Mm. The ordinary is extraordinary. There's Mm. nothing normal. It's just things that we've become accustomed to. It's things that we consider that we feel entitled to. It's things that we've stopped noticing. It's things that we walk right by and consider commonplace and routine and You know, all of those things we've become kind of inured to that we don't notice anymore. If we start to notice those things and be actually curious about those, it's amazing how full and rich our lives are. And it connects very much to this wonderful quote by Brother David that's very, very well known, Brother David Steindl-Rast. And he says, it's not happiness that makes us grateful. It's gratefulness that makes us happy. It's wonderful. And it's actually deeply true. Yeah. The truth is, if you're not happy, if you can't appreciate what you already have, if we don't have the mechanism and the means, that spiritual musculature to appreciate what's already ours, there's this belief that more is going to make us happier. But then we acclimate to the more and we need more again. And mm-hmm. there's this truth to if we can see what's ordinary in our lives as extraordinary, as incredible, mm-hmm. then if we create a very different relationship to, and suddenly like technology, you know, I know that kids, you know, especially young people now, people, you know, my kids in their twenties, it's like just so accustomed to technology. And now I feel like my grandmother and mother used to say, well, I used to walk to school in the snow, you know, barefoot and there were no cars. But now I feel like, you know, listen, I grew up without a cell phone. Hello, what a radical concept. And, you know, we didn't have all these things that you guys have. And you see what's extraordinary about it. And maybe one of the ways to do that that I think is really helpful is to have kids, and I'm going to call them kids, young people, young adults, Mm -hmm. think about where something came from. How many hands have touched it? How it arrived in your hands? Like how many Mm -hmm. people might have been involved in getting this one cell phone to you? It was designed. It was made someplace. You know, it was assembled somewhere. It was was packaged. It was you know, just to start getting like, isn't that unbelievable that you're sitting here holding it in your hand and that everything that we have was made by somebody and was touched by dozens of hands before it got to us and has the energy and creativity of so many people and the labor of so many people. So it's like starting to dismantle and deconstruct things that we come to expect. Yeah. And say, Where's the love and labor in this thing? Right? Love that. So that's a little practice. And I do that all the time with food. Food, we really take for granted. It comes in packages, it comes whatever, you know, but it's like all food is connected to the earth. It's interesting, unless it's really, really processed. <laughs> but like, can we help young people get more of a relationship to the to where food is sourced from? Mm. And that our planet is this extraordinary, beneficent, generous generator of everything yeah including the oxygen we breathe can we help kids get their heads around that stuff like it's pretty mind-blowing okay next one i want to keep going so we can have this all in the next principle is appreciation is generative Mm. appreciation is generative Mm. when you tend what you value what you value thrives 
if you have things that you care about, mm-hmm. and even if they're not things or people, but they're actually, if they're your values, if they're things that you really treasure and you care about those things, they will thrive in the nourishment of your appreciation. Everything does. But if you wonder why something's not thriving and you're not giving it attention, it's because appreciating something and attending to something is generative. It actually makes different things happen. It makes things grow. If you take one plant and do this with kids, take one plant Mm -hmm. and ignore it and take another plant and appreciate the bejesus out of it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) give it your love and your attention and your care. And you say every day, like, wow, you are beautiful. And you feed it and you dust it and everything. You're going to see two really different plants in about two months, like really different, maybe even a week. It's a great experiment to give kids. And so what are you paying attention to? And what does that do when you pay attention to things, even inanimate things? You know, the clean car doesn't break down, you know? giving my office some self-esteem by like tending to it. You know, it's like, what do I value? And how do I show that? How is that showing up in my Mm. life? Mm. If it's not, there's a big gap I can fill by redirecting my attention. Yeah. So one of the things I'll give you a practice for this, it's very radical and it's in the book and it's wonderful and it works all the time. And I think it works with kids well. Okay. It's called From Obligation to Opportunity. and I use it all the time. And some people know it as have to get to, but here's how it rolls. You say to yourself, just like you just said, as moms, we get up in the morning and as most humans, we get up in the morning. The first thing is, oh my God, I've got so much to do. Holy moly, this is a day. And how am I going to get it all done? And I feel overwhelmed before I even brush my teeth. So one of the things I have people do when I teach is make a list of five things that you have to do before the end of the day, just five. I have to do this, I have to do that. And for me, it's always like errands and chores and all that kind of stuff. And being the assistant mom, shopping and cooking and all the things. So I have to do these five things. Now, cross out, I have to. And write, I get to. Yeah, I get to go grocery shopping. I get to cook for my stepdad, who's really end-stage cancer, and take care of him. So I get to cook, I get to do these things, I get to do this wonderful podcast. I get to everything. And so when kids can get that reframe and we can help them see, one of the things that I know is that because there was a period of time, I couldn't walk. Therefore, I couldn't drive. Therefore, I couldn't do all these things because of the cancer that I had. And I've struggled with kind of differently able to different times. It's a good thing to remember, like, because I can means I remind myself that I couldn't always do that. And I won't always be able to do that. And not everybody can do that. So it's a mind-blowing, amazing, miraculous thing that I get to do these things. And if I can remind myself of that, I experience it completely differently. I experience it completely differently. I really do. And when I'm driving that food to my stepdad, if I felt like beleaguered and, and kind of burdened by the tasks of caregiving, which I'm doing a lot of right now, If I switch that to, I get to because I can, it reminds me that he's still here yeah. and that I'm going to miss him when he's gone and that this yeah. is a gift that I could do this. Yeah. So kids need to also experience that too. Like have that awareness of not everything is fixed. You didn't always have everything you can do now. You couldn't always do it. You won't always do it. Not everybody can do it. How can we celebrate what we can do a little bit better? I love it. Fifth one is love is transformative. 
Love is transformative. When you embrace the great fullness of life, your heart overflows. So the reason why this one is so important is because it says, appreciation is generative, is an active state. We actively do something. But love is a really active state. My father has a t-shirt I gave him that says, love is a verb. Love is active. And whatever we love should know it's loved. Whoever we love should know they're loved. And so the opportunity to love, to hold our hearts wide open, cracked open, to feel the vulnerability of that, this is Thanksgiving. Like this is the time to let anybody know and to make a practice out of like, I just said to somebody recently, try saying thank you in a meaningful and kind of particular specific way to 12 people today who you encounter because you're going to encounter 12 people and say something that you're grateful for about them that's kind of specific to them or who they are, how they make you feel and see how you feel at the end of the day. Not Mm. only have you made 12 people feel different and therefore they're going to treat the people in their day differently, you get to go home and you get to feel the flourishing of your own self because you've lived in that state of appreciation all day. Mm. So I think what we want to do is give our kids the experience of feeling that feeling of what it can feel like to live this way. And how many different ways can we do that? And it's not about you should, you should, you should, you should be grateful, you know, because it's so, believe me, I've done that. You know, you should appreciate me more. (laughs) You should, you know, Um, no, there's tons of that. But I think what's really effective is I have one of the most grateful 29-year-old, 28-year-olds, and he will say, I followed your example. I watched you. Mm. And I learned from you. And it's like the greatest tribute is Mm. unless I can embody that, why would I expect him to be that way? So I like to imagine that it really is possible to impart those kinds of values and that kind of appreciation deeply. And he's certainly a testament to that. That's beautiful. There's hope. hope. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you. Oh my gosh. This is fantastic. This has so many beautiful, beautiful truths in it, and it's practical, and it's just what I need, and I know all the moms listening, it's just what they need. It's a wonderful reminder. Well, this book, it was a soul assignment. It was really hard. It's got everything. It's basically the kitchen sink. It's like you could open it to any page, and it's been called, it's not a page turner, but it's a game changer. (laughs) It's a life changer. It's like you can open it to any page. Here's the new paperback. It's so pretty. And you can open it to any page and just read a couple of paragraphs, read one practice, read a question, yeah. and it'll change your day. And so I tried to write something that was really a guidebook for life, yeah, for all of life. Yeah. And it's certainly a guidebook for parents. Well, it is well worth getting that book. Thank you. I mean, this is so wonderful. So do you have any last advice for the moms listening? You know, it's hard to say like the last thing that we ever want to feel is that we've got something else we have to do. Mm -hmm. But maybe we get to be grateful. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe being grateful and trying that on for size in a deeper way and letting our hearts break open and realize like I, my best friend is a mom of an 18 year old who played her last soccer game yesterday and who's about to go off to college her second kid. And she said, I'm just so broken open because I realize I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. This is the last of all these things. 
And there's something that we forget sometimes, I think, because if we can remember that this is time limited and it's precious. And for me, that is the state of being I want to go through life in. I call it poignancy. Poignancy is when you live with your heart kind of cracked open because you're aware of the preciousness of life and the brevity of time at the same time. Mm. And you hold both and you say, I get to have these experiences, even when they're challenging, even when they're hard. I get to parent these kids. And pretty soon, it's not going to be true anymore. You know, pretty soon they're going to be out of my reach. They're going to be doing other things. And I know the challenge of that. And I think one of the things, the gifts that we can give ourselves, the greatest gift of self-care is to cultivate gratefulness in our own lives, for our own lives, for our own lives, and let that spill over into our kids. We don't have to do anything for them, yes, but we can certainly let it spill over to them. I love that. I love that. Thank you. All right. All right. This was wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. So the name of your book is Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted by Christy Nelson. And how can the moms get in touch with you? Oh, I'd love that so much. Actually, I really would. I just set up my own website because I was with this organization for 10 years. And it's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-L-S-O-N.net, ChristyNelson.net. And there's podcasts on there. There's all kinds of articles I've written, there's inspiration, and you can connect with me on the website. So this is my life commitment. As long mm. as I'm here, this is what I'm doing. So reach What out. a gift to the world. It's really a gift. Thank you so much. It's been a joy to be with you. Really. You too. Carry on. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. And Happy Thanksgiving. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning, best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.